Hello and welcome back to Kyle's Eternal Monologue. In this episode, we're going to be discussing the Babylon 5 Season 4 episode, Falling Towards Apotheosis. So, um, we finally have... Whereas the, the, the last episode was, you know, the, the Vorlons are finally uh, kicking the high gear and taking out anybody associated with the Shadows. We finally have Sheridan and co. taking the fight to the Vorlons. Uh, and the difficulties involved in that, and the repercussions of what's going on in, on Centauri Prime. Um, I like the emergency news scene. Um, I think it is, um, and sort of using that as a through line throughout the episode of just showing just how serious shit has gotten. Uh, the Vorlins have dropped all pretense, as I've mentioned before, and don't give a shit anymore. And so, you know, this is a war in heaven. These are, it's two gods clashing, and this is the result. Nothing but death and destruction everywhere. No hope. <laughs> just, just the, 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 the simple fact of everybody wants to survive, and that's all they got. And so, uh, we get to see... Uh, with, with the emergency news scene and the breaking news and whatnot is that we get a so we get to see the repercussions of this war on a wider scale that we can't really see outside of our characters uh, B it brings us up to date uh, and uh, so, sort of uh, catches us up on current events because you gotta remember this is airing weekly this is a, a binge show type thing so uh, some things may have been forgotten from week to week, and it's always good to include some expository dialogue, and that's a complaint I'll have in a couple episodes from now, that there is one bit of really bad expo uh, exposition in uh, in a future episode. And then, uh, matter of fact, I think it's next episode, and then uh, C, it establishes a mood that they, that this fight... We, we have already established just how hard it is to take on the Shadows, and now they're having the fight of Vorlons as well. And the entire throughline of this episode is get rid of Olkash. Well, how much did they expend to just to get rid of Olkash? And imagine that on a larger scale, dealing with the entirety of the Vorlon Empire, dealing with the entirety of the Shadows. They stand literally less than zero chance. Uh, so they're going to have to find another way. And that's the entire point. Is This is this is a big downer of just how shit things have gotten in this war. That there is no chance. Just hope for the best and pray for survival, basically. And within that, uh, we also get Ivanova's thing, which will come up in a future episodes, but um, Sheridan notes she is afraid, and this is the first time he's ever visibly seen her be afraid before. Now, we, the viewer, have seen her afraid in regards to the sidecar and angry and upset about what happened to her mother uh, and the fear of what would happen if she was found out to be the telepath that she is, but she has never been truly, truly afraid. You know, uh, this is true fear, just the absolute lack of hope. 
you know, she's Russian and the, there's always the talk about her being cynical and pessimistic. And she even makes a joke about that. when Garibaldi talks about his view of, you know, I don't know what's worth winning or losing because if we win, there's no, there's no going home again. And if we lose, well, that's the end of us. And she's like, goodness, I thought I was cynical, you know, of, uh, she at this point, isn't quite sure where to go and this will get gradually worse throughout the season i'll keep bringing it up is that she's beginning really to lose hope this really started the very first episode of this season and is really going forward uh there's just too much what the hell am i supposed to do i can't fight these people i can't do anything i can't be in control all I can hope is hope for survival, and that's it. That's not much to go on. Uh, now, the Sheridan stuff and the Garibaldi stuff are the most interesting bits of this episode. Because um, Garibaldi, while he's far more aggressive, as I pointed out last episode, uh, than he usually is, he does have some very valid points. Sheridan refuses to really give any information on who Lordian is, why Lordian should be trusted. And, you know, we have known pe people that we supposedly trusted suddenly turn out to be, you know, not very trustworthy, as in the Vorlons. So, exactly why should we trust Lordian? And then the entire refugee crisis of everybody's flocking to Babylon 5 because they know Sheridan will protect them and it's the the greatest place that they can find that would be safe and they'll be able to find their own people. And they're going to have a refugee crisis on their hands and they're going to have to deal with it. And that's when they start uh, talking about sending people down to Epsilon 3. But he at every point, Garibaldi brings up valid concerns, but he does it far more aggressively usual and even zach and uh ivanova and a few others bring up the fact that is garibaldi you know more cranky than usual like he's had a lot on his plate recently but damn is he a bit more hostile than he usually is and that leads to sheridan's decision uh sheridan wants to deal with Ulkesh. understandable he is the ambassador of the vorlon empire the vorlons have basically in all but outwardly signed anything of declaration of war they are outright destroying planets at this point they are committing war crimes uh and the ambassador is a liability uh and they can't just remove him because well that ain't gonna happen with the Vorlon. And they can't just let him stay there because he is you know feeding information to the Vorlons and they can't let the Vorlons just get away with what the what they're doing, these atrocities they're doing, because they're the Vorlons, and, well, if you let them get away with it, then they'll get away with everything, and then it's just going to be a stampede of hell. They're, they literally have a line of ships just progressing, and destroy planet, destroy planet, move on to the next, destroy planet, destroy planet, move on to the next, onwards and onwards, it's an unstoppable force. And just think back to, like, the first season, specifically the episode Deathwalker. You know, they got away with killing Deathwalker herself and uh, destroying the immortality serum because they didn't believe anybody else was ready for it. Uh, and 
by any stretch of, you know, logic, what the Warlands did is a declaration of not only war, but open hostility towards everyone in the galaxy. But they just let them get away with it, because you don't piss off a dragon. You know, you don't anger them. The, the Vorlons are the powerhouses, and there is no way that we can defeat them. So, just let them get away with it. And Sheridan can't let that happen. So he sends Garibaldi and a few trusted individuals on effectively a suicide mission, banking on Vorlon mentality to win out. And what I mean by this is Vorlon superiority, their own belief in their own superiority. Because by any stretch of the imagination, Garibaldi and his team were dead meat the moment they walked into the uh, the, the Vorlon quarters and uh, threatened Lukash. And he literally didn't move and he took them all out pretty instantaneously. Uh, without even just a flick of his wrist type thing. They they stood no chance against him. But the reason Sheridan does this is to anger him enough and get him to sort of a realization that we that that that, that the people on the station pose no threat. And by posing no threat, they are no more than ants to him, and thus he has no reason to waste the resources to kill them. You know, that's just too much energy. You know, why pull the trigger? Like, there's no reason. Just let the ants, you know, be in the little ant hill doing whatever they think is necessary. No reason to stomp on it. You know, kind of thing. So he lets them go when he could have easily killed them. And Garibaldi recognizes the exact situation that Sheridan's putting him in of this is a suicide mission but I'm going to bank on trusting you just enough. I have just enough that trust in you to realize that you may have a larger plan. And the larger plan of course was to get get Ulkesh to think that you know everybody's no more than ants you know play to that Vorlon mentality so that when Lita draws him out uh, of his quarters they can surprise attack him boom uh, reveal the, the bit of cosh that still remains shared and get rid of him the end, you know. Uh, and it's quite a lengthy process. And just think of how much work that went into taking down one Vorlon and now realize that they're going up against an entire fleet of them, the entire Empire, and the Shadows. Once again, I point out they stand less than zero chance. This is not a war they can win conventionally. And this is being hammered home repeatedly to us. And that's important for later. Now, um, also Sheridan, uh, we get to see Sheridan come back to life again. Uh, and what I like about this is that we get the explanation of what is going on. Uh, with, 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 with uh, Lorian's ability to bring him back to life. You know, previously it was a combination of Lorian and Kosh that kept Sheridan alive from the fall. And uh, he was neither dead nor alive. But now Kosh, the, Kosh is completely and utterly dead. And Lorian, as mentioned, cannot create life. Only the universe can do that. Um... You you can only convert you you can only convert 
you know, matter from one form to another. That is the law of the universe. So, he breathes on the remaining embers of Sheridan's life. And so, in effect, Sheridan is dead. He died at Zahadum, and he died here. And now, he is living out the remnants of the life he once had. Lornian is able to keep him alive for 20 years. No longer. And one day, he'll just simply stop. And granted, he can die from injury and illness and any other means of non-old age, but 20 years is the cutoff point. That's the end. This is not a situation where someone can bring someone back from uh, back from the dead, breathe life, create life, whatever. The Elorian isn't a god, no matter how much he may be perceived as one. He is not. And that's what I like about it, is that this is resurrection with a point. I've had I've I've seen people complain about resurrection and the crutch of it in storytelling and various different fictional universes. And I was like, I always like the way Babylon Five did it, because yes, it's it, by all conventional terms it is resurrection. You know, uh, Sheridan was brought back from the dead, but not really. He is technically dead, and that that plays into the prophecy that Lando got. Uh, the, the, that, that you must save that who is already dead. Um, he has a dead person. He's just continuing to walk for 20 more years. This is breathing on the remaining embers. Keeping the fire just that much alive. But it's still dying. And it's gonna die. And, uh, then the Londo section of this. I have less to say on the Londo section this time, uh, but there's some interesting stuff that Cartesia uh, and Morden are, are are talking to Londo, and Morden mentions that, and, and th this shows the parallel to the shadows and the and Sheridan's side. I'm banking on the old rules. The shadows have entrenched themselves on Centauri Prime. They're ensuring that their survival is guaranteed past this war, just like they did in the last war. But here's here's the situation. They are banking on the fact that the Vorlons don't want too much blood on their hands. And uh, they're like, well, if we entrench ourselves here, where there's a lot of people then it's guaranteed that they're not going to come and attack us. And if you send out, you know, uh, you know, a wall of ships to prevent them, and they know they're going to have to fight their way to Centauri Prime to destroy us, well, they're not going to want to do that. The, that is Mr. Morden playing on the old rules. That's the Shadows playing by the game that they have played for thousands of years, not realizing that the rules have been rewritten and changed now. The Vorlons don't give a shit, and they have proven that time and time again now. And Sheridan was smart. What he did, using this, the suicide mission of Garibaldi, was to prove that they are worthless worms, just ants to the Vorlons, to get them to uh, get get the Vorlons to underest uh, underestimate them, and thus pull the, uh, pull the rug out from underneath them. The Shadows are banking on the fact that this is the way the Vorlons have always played it, and will always play it. Not realizing that that's not how the game is going anymore. 
and Cartesia goes, well, we could just not send out the, the ships, and the entirety of Centauri Prime could be destroyed, and I can use this as a pyre to light my way to Godhood, because if there's no more Centauri left, well, then, of course, naturally, I'm the god of the Centauri, because I'm the only one left. Logical but insane thinking, as per Cartesia's usualness, and of course we get to see that the 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 room, the much talked about room of heads of dissenters, are actually is actually true. So just yeah, uh, but what what I like about it is that Londo later plays into Cartesia's craziness, and uh, to aid his own goals, he needs to assassinate Cartesia to get him away. Uh, ensure the survival of Centauri Prime, ensure the survival of his people, so he plays into, like, you know, we need to ensure the survivability of, uh, of you, uh, and at least a few followers to prophesize you as the god, uh, and to prove your worthiness, why don't we demonstrate just how godly you are by killing Jakar, uh, in front of his own people on Narn to prove just how righteous you are. And he plays into Cartesia's sort of, uh, sort of selfishness and self-worth to get him to play into his hands. And Londo, once again, it shows that he can placate while also moving his goals further and further along and it's just the 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 stir the disturbing reality of what Cartesia plants that he just doesn't give a shit anymore just like everybody else at this point he doesn't give a shit so he just wants to be a god well imagine we'll be a god the only way I can uh you know if if, if I'm gonna go out go out with a bang you know and it's just ugh. But anyway, um then uh you know, Jakar poor poor Jakar loses his eye this episode and uh of course Lando is now not you know uh, you know not uh uh fulfilled the, one of his roads to redemption, which is to save the eye that could not see. He does not suggest a punishment for Jakar, because uh, you know, Cartesia keeps saying that Jakar is looking at him rebelliously, and you know and he asks Londo for advice of how to deal with him, and Londo has more pressing concerns because he is more concerned about ensuring that Cartesia goes to Narn so that he can get the assassination rolling. That's a Cartesia plucks out Jakar's eye. He does not save the eye that does not see. And one final thing before I sign off, of course, being the massive Dillon and Sheridan shipper I am, I was so happy to see the proposal, but I, I love that uh, this is seemed to be iconoclastic, sort of just the traditional JMS style of making... Making wedding proposals not this big thing, but make it more matter-of-fact, and I like it. It makes it feel more human. We saw that with Catherine Sakai and Sinclair. Uh, do you want to get married or not? You know, the type thing. And then here, where Sheridan it has to explain the human notion of the engagement to Delenn, and the hands of the ring and says it's a down payment for a wedding ring, and says, I don't know... If we're going to survive this, I don't know what's going to happen, but I want to ensure that you know that no matter what happens, I want to spend my remaining time with you. 
It's a really sweet gesture, and it's very matter-of-fact and very normal. There's no getting down on one knee, there's no sweepy music, there's no insane, you know, circumstances of the proposal. It's just ordinary day, in the room, being human. Well, in Zelen's case, half-human, but still, it's is very, very sweet in the way it's done, and I, I like how Jameis does that. Uh, he, he did it with Sinclair, and he does it again here with Sheridan. I really like that. Anyway, I shall see you next time. Until then, bye.